the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And it's time to join those ambitious women with romantic complications. We're back into Hallmark-esque territory this week with the intriguingly titled Love, Bubbles and Crystal Cove. So, Love, Bubbles and Crystal Cove. Certainly an interesting title, but is it an interesting movie? Does it match up to some of the other Hallmark-esque titles that we've covered over the couple of years on this podcast? Let's find out. And what we mean by Hallmark-esque is this film is not actually produced by Hallmark. It's actually produced by Real One Entertainment who are clearly a Hallmark knockoff. So if you want to see a film with all the tropes of Hallmark, but less of the charm and humour, then maybe check out this distributor. So Real One Entertainment state that they are bringing high-quality scripted programming to a worldwide audience. Did we feel this way about Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove? Well, we're about to find out. And also, I have to preface by saying... I keep getting confused and calling it Candle Cove. So for the creepy pasta fans out there, every time I say this title, I may get it wrong. It might be slip of the tongue. I might call it Candle Cove. And to be honest, that is a much better medium to actually read than this. Yeah, they probably preferred it to be Candle Cove rather than Crystal Cove. Also, in the last episode, I said this was a 2023 movie because on Amazon Prime, it did say it was a 2023 movie. Not so. It is a 2021 movie that is a retitle from its original title of Romance at Crystal Cove. Now, I can appreciate the retitle. It's slightly more in line with the plot. But I feel that Amazon Prime have sold us a bit short because we thought we were going to get a brand new movie. What we have is a two-year-old one. And it's a two-year-old one that is just full of bizarre stuff. So... What is this whimsical place of Crystal Cove, do you ask? Well, I'm going to turn to uh, my trusty friends at IMDb, and I'm going to read a synopsis of this film written by a man. Yes, you heard that right. A man wrote the synopsis. Gavin Rogers left his hometown and inconspicuous brother Cole to help their ruthless father Vance run a Fortune 500 company which constantly buys smaller firms all over the East Coast. Wow, this sounds riveting already, right? Now, he sent from their New York HQ back home where Rogers and Rogers purchased the mall to fix or remove tenants in trouble. 
Key among those is Lather and Luxury, a small bath and body business run by his school flame Sky Parker and her mother Linda. It's popular and personal, but not lucrative. And he has many marketing suggestions resulting in better prospects for her and the town. <laughs> Bear with me, guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, both families realise their budget high school love rekindles even before they acknowledge it. Having agreed at the start to keep it professional, which proves impossible, surrounded by memories, only Vance wants his right hand back fast to close a foreign deal. I mean, you know, if you're looking for that kind of switch your brain off romance movie, I mean, I can't recommend this. This film is full of random business jargon that just goes on and on and on. It kind of eats up most of the runtime. It's very derivative and it just does not hold your attention. It's like the film's trying to be so smart. Like, look at us talking all this business talk. We know what we're talking about. We know how these things work. It just makes a very dull viewing experience. Yeah, my wife is involved in businesses and I watched it with her. And basically, in not so many words, it's shite all the business talk in this movie, this whole thing about, oh, we've increased the income by 12% because that's why I locked in the shopping complex. Absolute bollocks. What are they talking about? And at one point they're going on about using sort of the, the business uh, of lather and luxury as a springboard to something else. And Alison is sitting there going, well, unless they're using the business rent linked to turnover, why do they give a shit what the business is doing? Because they're getting the rent in every month regardless so it doesn't seem to be based on any sort of sound business principles but of course none of these movies are based on sound business principles it's always rubbish the guy has got three pillars of business it's structure strategy and people and that point i was like oh shut up just shut up yeah i'll get a powerpoint out now it's terrible this movie in every single department chiefly the crap about business and the whole thing about rogers and rogers now there's only two because the brother isn't in the company because he's been a bit ostracized by his dad vance the dad doesn't like Cole very much Cole has stayed in crystal cove whereas gavin has followed him to new york to plow a furrow in being this amazing corporate raider type you get rogers and rogers now i was thinking like well if Cole does join the group. It'll be Rogers and Rogers and Rogers. If they have kids, well, let's say one each, and they both join the company, then it'll be Rogers and Rogers and Rogers and Rogers and Rogers and so on. But this is the sort of stuff I was thinking about in place of watching this movie because I was so fucking bored with this movie. The first time I checked my watch was 18 minutes into this movie. I couldn't believe I'd only got through 18 minutes of this movie. It's 86 minutes long. And I'm thinking, Christ, I've got an hour of this movie and a bit. What am I going to do for the rest of the hour and a bit? Because I just didn't want to plough through the rest of this movie because the acting is astonishingly dreadful in this movie. It's awful. At the start, there's an old woman at this fair where everybody's buying jam. And I think she's called Mrs. Standers. And this is the line reading. I kid you not. And I think I'm probably going to give a better line reading than Mrs. Sanders. And it's done at exactly this pace. She says the line. Sounds like a smart woman to me. What the fuck is going on with this movie? I can give it 
slight credit. It's filmed in British Columbia. The scenery is absolutely beautiful. All I'm going to give this movie because it is 86 minutes of turgid crap. <laughs> yeah, I was bored shitless myself watching this film and I did the same as you. I paused it and I think I would got through about half an hour and there was like another 50 minutes to go or whatever. And I was just like, what the hell are they going to pad this movie out? Oh, the acting, where do we start? It's utterly robotic. And again, it has this trope that these films seem to embody of really creepy townsfolk that are overly invested in the protagonist's love life. And they're just so desperate for her to fall in love with this Rogers. So this is Gavin Rogers, just so we're clear on which Rogers we're talking about, because the possibilities are endless, clearly. But it's just a very, very odd formula. So let me get this straight. The protagonist has been running her own business for 10 years, pretty successfully until recently where they've gone in the red because they live in a, a small town with a low population. And unless she's doing like mega online orders or something, I don't know. She's not exactly at lush standard. So she's been running this business and clearly has not had any romantic entanglements throughout those 10 years. And then as soon as her ex, this Gavin, comes back into town, She's instantly smitten with him again and they're kind of towing the line around each other. Um, it's that whole, will they, won't they, but done quite terribly. I'm going to spoil the movie because we'll get to the bottom of it. So this girl has been hanging on for 10 years, as is this bloke, and he only left when they were teenagers because his mum died and his dad couldn't stand to be in Crystal Cove anymore. And they never spoke again. They never had any communication about this. Like, he didn't turn to her and say, oh, look, my dad's going through a really tough time. I have to move. This is the reason. Apparently, he just left. And both of these grown-ass adults had no life experience in between this time. And I, am I getting this right? I, I mean, seriously, what, what a, a strange concept. And I just couldn't have given a shit about either of them, to be honest, because, again, it was just such contrived writing, wooden performances, nauseatingly bad, but with none of the usual charm that these Hallmark films tend to contain. It goes to show that this is trying to be Hallmark with very little effort put in. Yeah, I mean, we thought The Irresistible Blueberry Farm wasn't great. The Irresistible Blueberry Farm, it looks like cities and fucking cane at the side of this. <laughs> it's so bad, this movie. It is so bad. And... Again, with the business language, at some point, Gavin says something about something being done synergistically. And it was Alison that said, is synergistically a word? And I was like, no, I don't think it is. It's just something that they've thrown in to sound impressive. And you're right about the townsfolk. They're just weirdos. Even by normal Hallmark-esque movie standards, they're weirdos. And people are introduced, and you think they're going to have some bearing on the plot. And they don't. They're just odd people in the town that just drift about and call into the shop occasionally chiefly a guy who shows up and then gavin recognizes him from an old schoolmate of his and goes tucker johnson and we're, i'm thinking oh is tucker johnson gonna have some bearing on this is he gonna be the reason that maybe they split up or he knows something that everybody else doesn't no 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 tucker johnson is just a sports guy who wants some bath bombs to help his duff ankle out or something like that. 
But the way that they introduce him, it's like, oh, Tucker John, who's Tucker Johnson? Tucker Johnson is just some bloke that wanders the streets in Crystal Cove and has the occasional bath bomb. And it's full of people like this. Sky's mum, Linda, what is she doing in the movie? She's always looking away from the camera. It's like she's never been in front of a camera before. All the time, like her, her expressions are all off. She's gazing off into the distance. Her line readings are absolutely terrible. Even when she's supposed to be getting enthusiastic about the fact that Sky and Gavin are possibly getting back together and she's noticing the romantic sparks. She doesn't really sell it. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great, isn't it? Put some more fucking enthusiasm into it. And I'm assuming that, well, having read a little bit into the background of this movie, they did employ talent from the local area where they shot it. And man, it shows. Because they obviously didn't go to central casting. It was like, it's got people that you've seen in hardly anything else. They really do not sell any part of this movie. The best friend, she's okay, but she isn't given a lot to do, apart from the fact that there's Cole who's on his own, and you know that Zoe and Cole are probably going to end up together as well, so there's a secondary romantic plot. They don't do anything with that. They just meet up, and then a bit later in the movie, then she reveals that they're going to go on a date. So there's no development to that plot. The weird thing about this movie is that it's set up exactly like every Hallmark movie you've seen of, but somehow everything has gone skewed. Nothing works. The script's terrible. The acting's dreadful. There's no plotting. They have stuff chucked in like there's a grand reopening of this shop that Sky's got. And usually Hallmark movies will build to this grand reopening over the course of a movie. Basically, they just think, right, well, we've got to do something in the last act. Let's have this grand reopening. And they just fill the shop with absolute shit. It's full of crap. How can anybody get round when they've got the grand reopening? Because they've just loaded it with fancy stuff and photos of her and, and they've redecorated it. And Why would you do that? Why would you do that to a business just for a reopening? And it's it's held up as some sort of massive event in the town. And they've got TV people there. This place that's got like a few hundred people in there, they've got the TV there covering it. And this woman who's covering it for the TV seems just about as enthusiastic as everybody else. It's kind of like, oh, we're here, we're here for the new opening of this. Great, I'm I'm excited. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. There's the bit with Sky's notebook. They find a notebook of Sky's for inspiration for the new lines of stuff she's going to do. It's like some serial killer's notebook. It's got scribblings and it's got drawings. It's got random notes in. It's got, at one point, you see her getting a bit of a table going and there's just random words scribbled in about inspiration and stuff. You know, at some point, you think Sky is going to be off murdering people because. If you open the notebook, it's like, who the fuck's got this notebook? Later on, I was expecting them to go, well, you know, there's been a spate of killings in the town and we don't know who it is. It's like, it's Sky. Have you looked in her notebook? See, that would have been a more interesting plot if they'd taken a darker twist and she was killing people and turning them into soap. <laughs> but yeah, again, this film, I mean, a lot of it is 
essentially a guy in a suit sniffing soap. I kid you not. <laughs> there is a scene where he is literally just sniffing soap for God knows how long. We can't fucking smell it. <laughs> so what's the point of this whole scene? And then there's another scene where he's meant to be assisting this random guy in purchasing some soap for his girlfriend. And it's like everything he suggests, he's like, no, she won't like that. <laughs> oh no, that's that for allergies or something along those lines. It's really weird. And then as soon as Sky comes along, oh, what does she like? And then he's like starts to describe something, and then she's like, there you go, have this one with strawberries. And he's like, oh yeah, she'll definitely like this. I mean, what a stupid scene. It was just to undermine Gavin, but just done really badly. Again, the um, supporting cast—they're all very Stepford. There's just no life in these people. And it's creepy, enthusiastic people who are invested in somebody else's love life that doesn't directly affect them. But it's not in the kind of over-the-top way these characters normally come across in Hallmark films. I mean, I'm sure we have sat here and said, oh, God, that was the worst Hallmark film I've ever seen. I bet we've said it every single fucking episode. But I'm going to die on a hill here and say, this is the worst fucking Hallmark-style film I have ever seen. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I can't see how anything could be worse than this. I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I cannot see how anything could be as dreadful and slow and boring and lacking in incident as this. They've even got a school reunion at one point. So they make a point of this school reunion. You think, ah, this could be a bit of drama, some interesting plot points. You hardly see anything of the reunion. You don't know how many people are there. It's not many. They play a bit of croquet and Sky wins the game by hitting a shot that does not go through the croquet hoop. The way she hits it, that's like that never fucking went in, Sky. So you didn't win. But then they move from the reunion after about 30 seconds. So you see things going on in the background, but you don't find out anything about the reunion. There's no other characters there. So they just throw in things in which could be used for the plot and then just discarding them. It's just so weird. There is a dead parent. So we've got the trap of the dead parent, dead relative anyway. There is the mother of Gavin, and that's obviously the reason why they left Crystal Cove. But at the end, it all goes really fucking weird about the dead parent, because Vance comes back, decides to just rip everything up and evict Sky. There's all sorts of problems. You know, this is like, oh, there's some drama now. This is where the plot all comes together and it actually redeems itself in the last 10-15 minutes. Nope, nothing of the sort. Vance comes there, he has a chat with Gavin and Cole. Gavin gives him one of these bath bombs. He sniffs it, it reminds him of his wife. And then he completely turns round on his attitude. It's like, basically, oh, I remember smelling my missus. Now, two things went through my mind. I mean, he didn't actually say, I remember smelling my missus, but that's the basis of the line that he says. Two things. One, that's really weird. And secondly, if you're reminded of the smell of your wife, you dirty bastard. Why are you suddenly reminded? It's like this bath bomb. Mm, I can smell my wife in this. No, no, it's, th- th- that is so wrong. And, and then the sort of sunshine is like, oh, yeah, it's just like mother. It's like, what the, what fucking weird family unit are you from, really? That some bath boy's like, mmm, smells like mom. It's like, no, no, that's absolutely dreadful. And the fact is that it only takes this, like, one product of Skies to completely change Vance's viewpoint. It's like, oh, no, I won't evict her now. 
and I've changed my entire philosophy about building our business and we'll just go for ethical stuff now. It's like, no, that would not happen. It's established very early on in the plot that Vance likes his money and likes to have successful businesses with 12% profits and shopping complexes and things that will do us better in the fourth quarter of this year. So he likes all of that stuff. He's not going to sniff something and then think, you know what, I've been a bastard all these years. I'm just going to completely change my business philosophy. And now we're going to help everybody out. Just because he sniffed this one thing from this tiny shop in this tiny place that he used to be. And now he's all up for Crystal Cove. Two minutes ago, it was like, I never want to see this fucking place again. Sniff something. He's like, no, no, it's fine now. I just want to be back here. What is in this stuff? I think it's drugs. I think it has to be. I think everybody making this one must have been on drugs doing it, quite frankly, with all the incessant grinning. But I have to say, going back to Vance, towards the end of the movie, he says a line really enthusiastically that made my husband Phil crack up laughing, so I have to mention it. I didn't quote it word for word, but it was something along the lines of, he's suddenly all happy, he goes up to Sky, and he's like, oh, can you ever find it in your heart to forgive a grumpy old guy? And then the movie sort of ends at that point. That's it. It's like, okay, we're done here now. Everything's gone as it should. Let's just end the movie. We've got no more material left to go. I'm guessing like Vance is kind of in place of the douchebag boyfriend trope that we normally get in these films. But this film really lacked that element because it just didn't feel like there was enough conflict in there. And I know that trope is eye-rollingly annoying in itself because you'll start a Hallmark movie. It's like, oh yeah, she's dating this corporate business dude and they're not on the same wavelength and she's going to fall for the farm boy in the blueberry farm or whatever but no here we kind of get the two roles wrapped up in one with gavin rogers being the business type but also the love interest so we have those amalgamated and it doesn't really work they probably just didn't have enough script or casting to add anybody else into the mix so yeah it just lacks any originality lacks any depth lacks anything interesting i mean who wants to sit here and listen to some bullshit marketing jargon for an hour and a half who is this written for it's not evoking this kind of wide-eyed romantic feeling in anyone it's just a very strange way of making a film as far as i'm concerned it is it does have a weird kid but the weird kid isn't in very long but she does get to say lines like Ooh, it's so pretty. It's like, ooh, it's so weird you saying it like that. But yeah, I do remember the grumpy old man line because out loud after he said, can you ever forgive a grumpy old man? Out loud I said, fuck no. (laughs) It was that sort of movie. By the end of it, I was thinking, please, please end this movie. I was counting down the minutes until it was off my TV. It's an entertaining movie to discuss. It's not an entertaining movie to watch. I couldn't believe how dreadful this movie was. I mean, we've sat through some crap for this podcast. I mean, we have sat through some dreadful crap for this podcast. But out of all the stuff we've sat through, some of it has had at least tiny bits of redeeming quality. This, save for the scenery, has got nothing. It is a shonky piece of garbage which doesn't hold up has a ridiculous plot has characters you don't give a toss about from minute one 
and then just wraps up in the most perfunctory way possible. Oh, they're together now. Everybody should be happy. It's like, well, no, because there's been no development. There's been very little jeopardy. There's been nothing thrown into the mix which really separates them all that much. It doesn't have any of the quirkiness that you sometimes get. It just falls flat. And I couldn't believe that it got worse as it went along because it starts badly. And I thought, well, surely it's going to rally in the second half. No, it absolutely gets worse in the second half. And by the end of it, when they're going on about the smell of their mum or wife, I've just had enough of this. I just need it to be taken out the back and shot. So I'd like to give a shout out to my favourite review of this film that I have read on IMDb. It's titled, I read the reviews and watched it. Anyway, my mistake. I usually like Jessie Hutch. Stephanie Bennett is pretty, but smiles too much. Like all the time, through every line. Jessie wears a three-piece suit, which was popular in the 80s. Maybe it's coming back in style, or that's how they dress up in Canada. There are two conversations where people being talked about are about 10 feet away or less, and the conversation is loud. Yes, I forgot to mention this point. Thank you, reviewer on IMDb. There is a scene where the best friend and the mum are basically talking about, oh, how it's so lovely that they've reunited and, and like how they want them to get them together. And they're right there, in earshot. I, I was just thinking to myself, what the hell? This is just badly planned. Like, why did they not film it as if, oh, they're having a private conversation? But there's not any real, like, big romantic gestures in this. Like, I don't really see the chemistry between these two romantic leads, honestly. But, yeah, this person closes their review with just a bad movie and a waste of time. I'm inclined to agree. Then someone else's review says, it's not Hallmark. That is correct. Another review says, good smells. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nice if they could envision that smell and get very uh, immersed in this, but for the rest of us, maybe they need to do like a scratch and sniff edition of this uh, movie. Maybe that's where it needs to go. Somebody else says, boring. Someone else said, this movie made me throw up. I mean, I'm sure we were both on the verge of that too. So yeah, we completely understand. Oddly enough, I am glad we watched it. Because I think it's something you have to experience because it puts quite a lot of other movies into perspective when you watch this. It's bizarre. Even by this sort of movie standards, the decisions they take, it's just weird. The dialogue's terrible. And you're right about this thing where they're, they're talking about characters that are just at the other side of the frame. It's like somebody had gone to film school class and thought, right, what am I going to do? I'll put all of this stuff in the movie. And then forgot about things like decent plot development and characters and stuff you should bother about. And people who can act, basically. There's a lot of smiling in this movie. There's a lot of grinning and quite weird, sort of unnerving grinning. Cole in particular. Cole has got this grin on his face quite a lot of the time, which makes you think, what the fuck has he been doing before he's turned up here and started grinning? Somebody had come down the street and go, oh, there's an orphanage on fire at the top of the hill. And Cole would be like, oh, great. It's inept on every conceivable level, this movie. And normally I would take great joy in this sort of thing. But I was so fucking bored watching this movie. And even at 86 minutes, it's 86 minutes of my life that I want to build them for. I am never getting that 86 minutes back and I fucking want it back. Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove, whatever your fucking title is. 
I'm not going to say it's loathsome because it's too it's too inept to be loathsome, but it just does everything with this kind of shrug. It's like, oh, that's enough. That's fine. Even at the end, the sort of ultimate kiss between the two leads, there's nothing there. And I know that you can't get a lot of passion in these sort of movies because there are standards and there are network controls and all that. But surely they could have sold a little bit more passion in the final kiss. It just leaves you thinking, what did I watch that for? Well, in our case, it's what I watched it for was to review it on the podcast. But if you just turned up on Amazon Prime and thought, oh, that looks nice, might be pleasant, hour and a half, time flyer. It isn't. Stay the fuck away from this movie. It is poison. <laughs> I mean, the only positive I can say about it as well is the cinematography and the quality of filming because they've got this really polished aesthetic about it. But it's to the point where it's making everything look so quaint and idyllic. But there's no substance to anybody in this film. So it kind of counteracts the whole purpose of making this schmaltzy, Hallmark-style film. It just does not work. After doing a bit of digging into the website of Real One Entertainment, just to see, you know, what, what else they produce. If you enjoyed Love Bubbles in Crystal Cove, you may like some of these titles. How to Win a Prince. You... Me and the Mountain Retreat. With love, you're sweetly salted. Romantic friction. <clears throat> Falling for the Manny. Project Baby. And a ton more very bizarre titles. And I want to place a bet here that I bet all these movies are exactly the same plot. And exactly the same poor quality as Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove. I'm confident on that. And not only that, they do Christmas movies. Oh, God. So, for Merry Podmas, you never know. Plus, they do delve into thriller movies, science fiction, erotic, allegedly. Now, those titles I just mentioned were in the romance and family section. So, let's see what the erotic has to offer. Okay, it has one movie called Body Language. That was a bit anticlimactic. It was. Very much like Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove. Romantic so, Friction sounds more like an erotic movie to me. I shudder <laughs> to think what Romantic Friction's got as its plot. Part of me wants to find out. Part of me thinks I should leave this sort of stuff well alone. If it's at the standard of this movie, I'm just going to give everything a wide berth. Because this, it's astonishingly bad. I thought it was going to be terrible. But I didn't realise it was going to be this terrible. I think it set a new benchmark for crap. Because have a go at Hallmark all you like, and, that, and we do quite a lot. But at least there's some professionalism in the movies. They go to a template. They know what they're good at. They stick to it. You do usually get something in the movie that at least keeps you on the straight and narrow until the end. This, I lost count at the times I checked my watch in this movie, it was every 10 minutes after the first check. And in the last 20 minutes, it was probably every five minutes. It was like, please, please get off my screen. I cannot wait for you to finish. I'm going to either run out of vocabulary or I'm going to have an aneurysm talking about this movie. And I think just running out of vocabulary is the better option because I don't want to be carted off to hospital just because I've watched a PG-rated Hallmark-esque movie. That would be a great thing to have on your obituary. Died watching Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove and then went on a rant about it. (laughs) 
So unsurprisingly, this movie has a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes, both for the Tomato Meter and Audience score. No one gives a fuck. And it has a pretty generous 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. I mean, I don't know who would have scored it that highly, but this is definitely a 1 out of 10 for me. It's going off on IMDb 5.8. There's major studio movies which are really good that have got less than 5.8. Who is reviewing this stuff? On IMDb, <laughs> 5.8? Right, if I'm going to be very generous here, I'm guessing that the people who reviewed it on IMDb are the people who wanted to see it in the first place. Most people, they're going to look at this title and go, nah, not going to watch that. So this is probably why the IMDb rating has been pushed up. However, having said that, Rotten Tomatoes, the viewers on there, obviously maybe a bit more discerning. The critics are obviously like, this is a piece of shit, that's getting nothing. I mean, I know that we sometimes disagree with the critics. Not here. Absolutely bang on. It deserves its absolute zero rating because it is utter cack, this movie. Yeah, so if you're looking for romantic pure escapism, this is not going to be the movie for you because it is literally nice cinematography with no plot, robotic acting and people talking fake business for an hour and a half. Again, as I say, who is this movie for? Yeah, and the end of it, the moral seems to be the way to somebody's heart is to recreate the smell of his mum, which is really fucking weird. (laughs) Absolutely. So next time you go into Lush, have a nice sniff of the soaps and see if it reminds you of anybody. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 98 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out our future content and keep up to date, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. So after the trials of going through Love Bubbles and Crystal Cove, some possible further trials next time. Episode 99, we are bringing the listener's choice back. And our stipulation for this listener's choice was any movie in any genre except for horror. Yeah, we always know that horror is the traditional go-to. So we wanted to uh, challenge our listeners and see what they could come up with for us. So let's see what you've got, everyone. And we will pick the mystery film at random in the next episode. Yes. So... Until then, stay safe everybody, stay away from Crystal Cove, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbeat.